I'm your host, Tabitha, and you're listening to the If At First podcast. When quitting isn't an option and moving forward seems too hard, if it truly matters, try again. Have you ever had a friend of convenience? Or have you ever been to someone a friend of convenience? These relationships barely any deeper than a friendly acquaintance usually add very little to your life. And depending on which side of the relationship you're on, take more than they give in return. So what is a friend of convenience? According to Google, a friendship of convenience is exactly what it sounds like. A friendship that lasts as long as it is convenient for one, or both people. There are many different types of friends, and a convenient friend is often a fair-weather friendship that probably wouldn't survive a hardship, conflict, or big favor. Here's an example. Mandy sits at her desk, busily typing up a proposal for her boss. She sighs, seeing the familiar number attached to a message appear on her phone's display. Here we go again. She whispers under her breath. It's the fifth time this week. Mandy reluctantly reaches for her phone and opens the messages. Hey, it's Sandra. I hate to bother you, but I need a favor. Mandy can almost predict what will follow. I need a ride home, and you're like the only person I know that has a car. Mandy shakes her head, and although she doesn't want to, she gives Sandra a ride home. This is a common occurrence. Sandra would call on Mandy to get her out of some situation she got herself into, and Mandy always came through to help her. But just a few weeks later, when Mandy calls on Sandra for a very small favor, she makes every excuse in the book, and Mandy stops hearing from her. I'm sure you would agree that a relationship like this is no relationship to be in at all. But if you think about it, haven't we all been a little like this at one point or another? Proverbs 18.24 refers to God as a friend. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I wonder if sometimes we treat God the way we treat our earthly friends. Or maybe worse. The saying goes, there are no atheists in foxholes. Used to suggest that times of extreme stress or fear can prompt belief in a higher power. In the context of actual warfare, such a sudden change in belief has been called a foxhole conversion. As humans, we like to do things the way we want. Don't tell me how to live my life. Let me be who I want. I live by my truth. And yet, in a pinch, we know how to pray. And then there is the fair weather friendship. When life is great and everything is going your way, God is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But as soon as things take a turn for the worst, your whole world falls apart including the relationship. Or how about the friendship that wouldn't survive a big favor? When God's will doesn't line up with your will, what then? I'm sure Jonah loved God, but when it came to going to Nineveh, he was on the quickest boat in the opposite direction. The sad reality is that we would rather pick and choose the parts of God that we like, or that don't offend or rub us the wrong way. We would rather take the benefits without the sacrifice. I think more often than not, the Christian walk looks more like an unhealthy on-again, off-again relationship 
than a committed marriage? Why does it seem so difficult to maintain a consistent friendship with God, rather than only turning to him when you need something? The funny thing is, you probably wouldn't tolerate a friend like this. And rightly so. It doesn't take a genius to know that friendship is a two-way street. And if not, is that really a friendship at all? How different our lives might look if we were more consistent. In the book of Judges from chapter 13 through 16, we learn about a man named Samson, born to his father Manoah and his wife. Her name was never given. Samson was called of God before he was even born, called to be a judge in Israel. By the end of chapter 13, Samson is born, and by the beginning of chapter 14, he's already a man. Now, it's interesting to note that before Samson was born, an angel tells his parents how his mother is to conduct herself, not to drink any wine or strong drink, and not eat anything unclean. It was made crystal clear that this child was specially chosen of God. But I'm not gonna lie, it seems like that all gets thrown out the window and Samson just does whatever he wants. At the start of Judges 14, he's telling his parents that he saw a Philistine woman that he wants to marry. And when his parents say, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people? His only response is, for she pleaseth me well. Right there. It's made known Samson's priorities. Just a few verses later and Samson gets the girl and a party is thrown. And at this party, it lasted a week by the way, Samson gives a riddle to the guest. And when they fail to find the answer, they told his new wife to entice her husband so that he would give her the answer and she in turn would give it to them. The deal was if they figured out the riddle, Samson would give them 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And if they couldn't, then they would give Samson 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. After being threatened with death, Samson's wife agreed to get the answer from her husband. And although he was unwilling at first, Samson eventually caves and tells his wife the answer to the riddle to get her off his back. The whole thing sort of falls apart and Samson finds out and gets upset. He kills 30 men taking their garments to give to the ones who got the answer to his riddle. And then he goes home to mom and dad. Oh, and his wife? She's given to one of his friends. I suppose at this point it's important to mention that Samson has been endowed with superhuman, supernatural strength. And as far as God-given gifts go, this is certainly one of the most unique gifts I've ever heard of. But Samson doesn't seem to acknowledge where his strength truly comes from. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Psalms 121, 1 and 2. Samson's strength comes from God, but he rarely acknowledges this. 
Judges chapter 15, 1, find Samson going to find his wife. But when he realizes her father gave her to marry one of his friends, once again he gets angry. And in an act of revenge, he, well, let me just read it the way it's written. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and took firebrands, and turned tail to tail, and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines, and burnt up both the stalks and also the standing corn, with the vineyards and olives. The Philistines were not pleased. Later, while Samson is dwelling in the top of the rock Edom, the Philistines come to capture him. And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson we are come up, to do to him as he hath done to us. It wasn't a fair fight. After being tied up and brought before the Philistines, Samson easily broke the cords tied around his hands, and finding the jawbone of a donkey, he put forth his hand and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson knelt there in the midst of the slaughter, thanking God for this victory. I'm just kidding. That's not at all what it says. Samson gloats in his victory. There is no mention of God at all. He proclaims, I have slain a thousand men. But just two verses later, and Samson quickly changes his tune. Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. Interesting, isn't it? Just a couple verses ago, and it was Samson's victory. Why the sudden change of heart? And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst, and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? Dramatic much? You know, this is the first time God is addressed by Samson in these two chapters. When he wants to marry the Philistine woman, no consult with God. Recklessly burns the Philistines' fails. Once again, God hears nothing from Samson, and yet he still uses him. But now that he needs something, now he turns to God. Can you imagine if God was like us? You know what, Samson, you know what? Maybe this is not going to work out because you just do whatever you want and you never cared to see what I thought about it. You act recklessly and impulsively, and I still try to orchestrate situations where my will and my purpose might be done, but you make it so hard. But now you want to pray? Now you want to talk? If you think you just slew a thousand men by yourself in your own strength, then maybe you can find your own water. But of course, this is not what happens. God uses the same jawbone and out of it comes water. Samson goes on to be a judge in Israel for 20 years. This isn't the end of his story and if you want to read it, 
You can find it in Judges chapter 16. In the end, Samson does carry out God's will, but probably not in the way God originally intended. And why is this? In all accounts, Samson was set up for success. It's not every day that an angel appears to an expecting mother to give her special instruction on how she is to raise her child. And although God had a plan, Samson also had a plan. And frankly, he liked his plan better. The idea is God can take care of my needs while I take care of my wants. And we're satisfied with that. That mediocre, one foot in, one foot out, half-hearted friendship of convenience. By definition, convenience is the state of being able to proceed with something with little effort or difficulty. Similar words associated with convenience are benefit, use, comfort, and ease. So use the power, take the benefits, live the life of comfort and ease. It's a win-win. Or is it? Jeremiah 29:13 says, "And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart." Have you ever lost something, something you really valued? And it seems like you can't focus on anything until you found it. So you look high and low, tearing apart rooms to uncover wherever its hiding place is. You might even lose sleep over it, depending on how much it means to you. And you just can't rest until you find it. That whole process is not necessarily comfortable or easy, but the reward of finding is worth the search. You've deemed it worthy enough to inconvenience yourself in order to find it. And yet, for the most important thing, we don't see its value. I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. God has pulled out all the stops. He's done everything he can to show fallen humanity that he loves us. But the minute he asks us to give so we can gain, we put up a fuss. Of course, we don't reject God altogether. We still want his protection and his power and his miracles and his blessings. God can be the ultimate friend of convenience. Pick and choose the parts of his law you're okay with keeping. And the rest, well, I'm just not there yet. You live your life however you want, doing just enough so that in a pinch, you can still pray, seemingly getting the best of both worlds. But you're only fooling yourself. There is so much God has in store for each and every one of his children. But sadly, a lot of us will never taste and see that he is good because we were too caught up in a friendship that only exists when it's convenient. I'd say a lot of the time, we do truly want better for ourselves. But we don't put in the time, and we don't really put in the effort. What it takes is a shift in your priorities, a shift in perspective. You can't rely on the pleasures of the here and now to satisfy you in the long run. There's so much we might be missing out on, and we don't even have a clue. Because we've never stopped to think that maybe there's more to this. You know? That maybe God is more than just a ram in the thicket. He wants more for you than you even want for yourself. 
Don't be like Samson and only turn to God when you're in need. We live like God doesn't exist in the good times and like he's the cause of the bad times. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Not a friend of convenience or a fair weather friendship, but a true and honest friend. I don't know about you, but I would say that sounds like a friend worth having. You've been listening to the If At First podcast. If you want to hear more, you can find us on streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and many more. You can follow us on Instagram at If At First Podcast or email us ifatfirstpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next time. Wait, can we try that again? <laughs>